Welcome to The Radical Therapist, everybody. This is Dr. Chris Hoff, and we are now at episode number 90. And today we are talking about reconnecting after the crisis, how the pandemic is changing our relationships, our friends, and ourselves uh, with Masha Tianova and Elena Baskina. And uh, very excited to have them both here um, talking about how our relationships or how the pandemic has restructured our relationships and our romantic lives and all of that stuff. So uh, before we get there, uh, just one quick announcement, please. I think I have one quick announcement. Just please uh, share, if you could, uh, this episode with people you think would like it. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. And, of course, always please come find me on the social medias over at Instagram. And we have a Radical Therapist Facebook page, et cetera. Uh, just that way you can kind of keep up on some of the other stuff we do either on, or I do on YouTube or, uh, some trainings that are going to be coming up, um, shortly at California Family Institute where I am the director and we've recently become a CEU provider. So that's very exciting. And we're going to be offering different trainings, um, for the community. So if that's something that interests you, please, uh, stay on the look out for that. So, uh, without, well, without, yeah, let's get to our guests. So let's start with Masha Tianova. Masha has been inv- evangelizing people's authentic connections in workplaces, relationships, and themselves throughout her international studies and career while studying sociology at Dartmouth, Dartmouth College. Through a postgraduate leadership program, she volunteered at the Women's Resource Center, developing campaigns connecting alumna, alum female leaders with newer generations of students. Later on, uh, she moved on to become the head of strategy at the Moscow office of the Leo Bur- Burnett Global Ad Agency. Ad Agency and then stepped into the head of people and culture in an Eastern, uh, Eastern Europe role. She was part of the global team developing humankind culture that was focused on creating safe, enjoyable, and empowering professional environments. Um, having become fascinated by playfulness and depth of the narrative approach, she founded Comuna, Comuna helping companies and communities to connect through their values. Her and clients, her clients included IKEA, Leroy Merlin, and Impact Hub Moscow. Uh, Masha connects the narrative approach with vocational counseling and critical education. She developed leadership, soft skills, and relationship courses for the Moscow Institute of Physics and Technology, and created. Leading uh, a leading course for MADS Creative School in Moscow and a Teen Power project that took place at World Skills 2019. Masha, and this is the truth, is an enthusiastic explorer of education and self development programs, bringing insights from them into her work. And um, uh, and now let's talk about Elena Beskina. Elena uh, has focused her career and life on shifting culture through playful solutions of narrative and other postmodern approaches. Approaches in education, th- therapy, and community work. Elena was educated as a lawyer, then pursued her postgraduate education at Dartmouth uh, MALS program, M-A-L-S program, where she was taking courses in law, politics, and cultural studies. Having enjoyed finding smart solutions to her clients' problems as a lawyer, she then extended that into people's personal lives. She had 
obtained a degree in psychology from Moscow State University. She is also trained in the narrative approach through a a variety of international programs, including uh, the use of visual images as a support for narrative practice and using travel metaphors, um, spirituality and therapy, as well as responding to trauma and difficulty in people's lives uh, and working with identity. And these all have been people, if you're in the narrative world, you know, Hugh Fox, Maggie Carey, uh, et cetera, um, doing these workshops. So Elena got certified also as an EMDR therapist by EMDR Russia Association and has received mindfulness training from Harvard. Uh, and uh, she started the You Are Not Alone program that addressed infertility issues in Russia, challenging the societal stereotypes and giving women with fertility difficulties support and choice not to feel marginalized. Elena also started the Future Is Now Foundation that trains psychology students into Uh, Most modern, fast and effective approaches in therapy, giving hope to people in most difficult situations in life. And together with Masha, they uh, launched the ReWoman Initiative, empowering Russian-speaking women all over the world to live lives they are delighted with. Elena is also a member of the faculty of reauthoring teaching here in the U.S. um, with Peggy Sachs. And uh, just as a look, looking for playful solutions to serious community and personal problems and oppressive ideas. And so obviously both of these uh, fo- folks are, uh, have done a lot. In, and uh, now we get to hear their work around uh, doing some research and their Im- impressions of this research on how our relational lives are changing in the pandemic and post pandemic. So let's meet Masha and Elena. All right. Hi, Masha and Elena. Welcome to The Radical Therapist. It's great to see you. Um, I'm excited to have this conversation. You have a really fascinating uh, new body of research out now that looks at how the pandemic is changing our relationships, our friends, and ourselves. And it also takes a position that after the events of 2020, um, that it's safe to say that our old world is over. And as we're looking ahead to create a post-pandemic 2021, uh, the determining factor in how successful we are going to be is our our ability to connect. And what prompted you to take on this project of reconnect? Yeah, hi, Chris. Uh, we are really glad uh, to to see you too. <laughs> hi, thank you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, thank you, thank you for your support. I think uh, from the beginning of the pandemic, uh, Elena and I have been thinking and discussing a lot uh, how the relationship is changing. Uh, and at some point, I think the changes uh, became so fast that uh, we realized we have to <laughs> we have to really like track them, trace them. Actually, uh, I, I used to work uh, as a strategist uh, in uh, Leo Burnett uh, agency, and I was doing a lot of actually trend watching and uh, trend reporting because uh, having this position of a trend researcher, trend reporter, trend watcher actually helps to manage the uncertainty. So to me, it's like a personal personal thing to do when everything is unclear and moving so fast. Um, Elena and I uh, have also been working on programs um, for companies and for individuals uh, to, uh, that, that were focused on connection. 
And at some point, we also realized that the connection is changing so fast that it's really difficult to develop those programs because uh, where we were last March, where we were last summer, where we were in October, uh, we're like, and where we are now, um, uh, those are like very different uh, time frames, very different eras. And we realized in order to actually do something about relationships, and Elena is also doing uh, counseling. So uh, and uh, uh, so this is um, therapy. So this is a different different context. Uh, we actually kind of like have to understand what's going on there. <laughs> and uh, so though we have um, uh, done this first uh, research report, this is not a work uh, set in stone. There is a lot of work to do. So we plan, we are planning to continue uh, this work. We keep uh, collecting science and we actually want to expand the way we are doing it and to engage more people in the process uh, because uh, the more optics for that we have, the better. Yeah, yeah we would really yeah. welcome different kinds of people from all continents to join with their observation. It's such a complex topic. And like Masha said, it's only our research is a starting point. And we can go in different trajectories uh, from, from, from that uh, place, from the ground that uh, the report um, provides. And I'm being, uh, I'm a therapist. I'm um, seeing clients uh, uh, online. Uh, um, remotely and during the pandemic I started to notice um, unusual uh, complaints and unusual observations from people from their accounts of their relationship different kinds of relationship um, and I felt that like really what is considered norms <laughs> what are we used to are not there anymore the context, context, context is changing so drastically that we need to be more in the position of observers and to analyze um, collaboratively with people, with um, all kinds of um, uh, also specialists that are working with people. What is going on? So that, our question is, what is going on in the world of relationships right now or connections? Yeah, and you, you came up with some, well, seven distinct trends, and uh, which I think are fascinating. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, if you could take us through each of these and kind of share with us and our listeners uh, their characteristics. So maybe let's start with the first trend you uh, discovered, and that's radical self-celebration. Yeah. Yeah, so this is basically about uh, this is basically about celebrating all kinds of uh, different different selves. I think there has been much more. Um, I wouldn't call it like honesty, sincerity, and vulnerability. I would say probably uh, available uh, online uh, because <laughs> we were. We have been available mostly online throughout this month. <laughs> and uh, like the word is uh, trend, for example, uh, in uh, TikTok, uh, which uh, one where people were posting uh, videos under uh, this uh, hashtag uh, exposing myself. Uh, and um, or um, movies started to appear, which um, started to celebrate uh, lifestyles uh, that, uh, that uh, change in lifestyles of people who 
decided to change something to kind of like uh, do something radical around around their lives, um, uh, like uh, love and anarchy, for example. And uh, we started noticing that it's becoming kind of like more and more okay to be uh, very different uh, selves. I would say I would say that. So it started to become more and more normal to have like I wouldn't say like it's exactly like many like multiple versions of selves but some amount of versions <laughs> and uh, to present them uh, to be very different uh, to be joyful one day to be sad another day to manifest something one day to kind of like uh, uh, yeah and uh, to to actually be be seen in in many in many different lights i would say mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. Do you know to say anything like like this also? Like, uh, because to me it's uh, it's very uncommon to actually talk about about our research because I'm mostly uh, sending research to people and then interviewing people around their research, like what they notice. <laughs> 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 so actually, yeah. So to me, it's also very interesting to see like uh, what you see and if you could also like uh, add add your comments, uh, that would be like really, really brilliant. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I just was reading a paper t- earlier today, uh, by Sally Habava, uh, regarding hyperlinked identities. And I, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and you know, that I think you, I think it is accurate. I think you're seeing a lot of fluidity that's being invited into identities dependent upon context we find ourselves in. And, and there's a kind of a, an ex, kind of this acceptance happening about, or this growing understanding about there's not such a thing as maybe a fixed identity. I just did a video on, you know, the myth of the authentic self and, Hmm. Um, kind of taking on some of these ideas. And, and I also think, you know, there is that, that, that part of radical self-celebration. There is this, um, you know, people are disclosing more. And even in, a, I think Elena can maybe speak to this, even in therapy, you know, about therapists, you know, um, where we maybe came from a tradition of no self-disclosure, right? Now you're starting to see therapists, um, uh, you know, making, being a, like, stepping into self-disclosure in different kinds of ways so yeah being more human yeah <laughs> right mean, <laughs> yes definitely yeah. i noticed that yeah. and yeah. also um I think, sorry much mm-hmm. go ahead continue continue yeah regarding the self-celebration to me it's also the step beyond self-acceptance self is something that is more joyful more mm-hmm. energetic it's like more of a statement um, so that makes me think about how we construct the self-worth. Normally, if we use the lenses of social constructionism, we say that we build our identities in the interaction of, with a different other people. Uh, but we also can, actually, that provides, this idea provides the possibility, can build ourselves in the interaction with oneself. And self-celebration, I think this process is like the building and enhancing the preferred identities in the contact, in the interaction, in the connection with like conscious self, myself. Mm. Um, so to me, and to me, this, con- this makes self-worth a choice. 
it's a choice rather than a given thing, a thing that we um, have or do not have from mm. other people. Mm. So it makes it gives more agency to people, sort of. Mm. These are my understanding of this process as a therapist of cell service. So I'm really offering people in 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 the sessions. I really offer um, people the questions of um, when we find this preferred identity. For example, I'm a red-haired spirit of life and, and person names it. Then there are all kinds of um, uh, questions uh, are possible. Uh, how would you celebrate that? And with the words, actions, images, connections, how this celebration may affect your life. It's like all kinds of therapeutic questions arise from this. Yeah, great. Mm -hmm. Okay, the second um, trend you discovered was shared introspection. Could you say something about that? Yeah, I think this is also this is also about uh, kind of being being <laughs> exposing self, uh, but also like uh, having it having it shared. And I think actually Clubhouse is a really great example of uh, shared introspection mm. because people are sharing a lot of refle reflections there. And uh, many of them are pretty personal uh, because it's not recorded, I think. And because it's kind of like more momentarily and sp sometimes spontaneous, people are sharing more than they probably would be sharing in other contexts. And uh, there are many people sharing at the same time. So I think this is um, just uh, a wonderful example of, uh, yeah, people sharing, people sharing their feelings, uh, which uh, they or probably haven't been doing before or which have been uh censored before right. uh, and now it's uh it's becoming more and more uncensored I, I i would say yeah yeah so this is um yeah so this is actually about yeah given given space to reflections and uh being able to to share to share it with other people yeah <laughs> yeah like all this stuff right um i'm thinking about tiktok too you're seeing um, I don't know if you've seen that, and that might be the one you were talking about, where people kind of do this confession, and yeah, all their friends are in the room, and they clap, and um, and you're seeing this kind of yeah, this going back to the self celebration thing that we're celebrating all of ourselves, not yeah. just the good parts, kind of the, the, those kinds of things, right? Yeah, yeah. And what to celebrate? That's like at any given moment, any part of ourselves yeah. might become a preferred identity for a second, yeah. for a five minutes, <laughs> for like, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting. It becomes like uh, this uh, collective uh, diaries, I would say, like, uh, yeah, or like collective performances which are full of um, like innermost uh, thoughts. Uh, feelings that uh, haven't been shared before and now yeah there are platforms uh, to do that and people people are using them and I think also it's uh, healing uh, definitely because I think um, the times that we have been through uh, they have been very difficult actually and uh, I think uh, there are parts of the world where it's uh, more clearly understood when there are parts of the world where like it's um, it's less um, uh, it's less understood, like uh, in Russia, for example, because I don't think that enough space was given to actually like understanding that there have been many losses, that we have been through like really difficult times, that uh, people have been dying. And uh, like there was, I, I would say like, of course, um, 
I don't think uh, uh, globally too, probably there haven't been enough space for grief, but being here, I think it's like also specifically here, uh, it, uh, there, ha- there haven't been a lot of space for that. And I think um, platforms like TikTok, Clubhouse, they're offering kind of like good space to uh, start all kinds of reflections and maybe like including those reflections which might not be heard or uh, realized or yeah um, even because I, I I joined I think a couple of a couple of discussions on Clubhouse where we kind of like talked about that and I haven't and I don't remember that that was discussed outside um, of that platform like I haven't seen it on, on Instagram or like on Facebook um, among among Russian community specifically like Russian, Russian speakers. But I also think that uh, globally, like, uh, because, like, Elena is in the States, I have been to the States, uh, one of our collaborators, uh, she uh, she lives in Europe. So, um, yeah, so uh, we can see it uh, there as well. Uh, but also it's interesting to kind of, like, see cultural peculiarities, and this is why we're so interested to invite more people from different backgrounds. Actually, that was uh, Peggy's uh, idea, the idea of uh, Peggy from Rosary and Teaching. <laughs> she said that it would be good to actually involve more people into that, to kind of like uh, look at it through very different lenses and very different optics. Uh, and it's not just... Um, and part of it is seeing different things because uh, here from Moscow, I can see things that are very difficult to see from California, for example, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, vice versa. Uh, and at the same time, also the same uh, facts, like culture, cultural artifacts, the same movies or the same songs can be viewed very, very, very differently uh, by people with different backgrounds. So this is, also, this is also a very interesting thing to consider. And we would really like to go deeper, deeper into that. Because I think normally trend reports, they never they never do that. It's like okay, yeah. these are trends. Uh, yeah. Some people did that. We don't know who. Like it's never identified. It's never clear <laughs> who did the report. And uh, yeah, and uh, these are just trends, uh, and that's it. So for us, I think the level up would be to actually go broader and go deeper. Yeah. Great. <laughs> And I like that idea of collective performance. I think that's what you're saying, collective performance. And people, I'm thinking of John Winslade and Lorraine Hedke's book around the crafting of grief. And you're seeing, like you said, maybe we haven't been able to grieve this, but you're seeing people crafting kind of ideas about how to grieve. And some of it includes like sense of humor and all these kinds of things. So, yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, about sense of humor, I think this is definitely a way to work with uh, to work with um, grief, and I think it's related actually uh, to the trend that is called uh, pleasure activism. Which yeah, which is, leads which leads us right into the next one. Let's let's talk yeah. about that. What, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pleasure because, activism. Yeah, it was just uh, uh, yeah because so this name of the trend comes from the title of uh, Adrian Marie Brown's uh, book. Yep, yep. And, uh, which is yeah, uh, which is uh, like. So this uh, this this term got born there, uh, and uh, I was actually reading it, uh, like reviewing it one one of the days I've been reading it recently, and I was looking at this um, thing that uh, yeah, uh, social activism as pleasure, and definitely uh, there is this idea that um, 
uh, it doesn't have to be always like um, too serious, too kind of like uh, violent, too dramatic and stuff like this. And I think a part of it is uh, grief that can be reworked, like uh, uh, reviewed through uh, laughter and through irony and through comedy. I think there is this even like one one chapter there around that. And it, to me, it's just interesting. And uh, yeah, like <laughs> Lena and I, we started playing improv uh, games uh, <laughs> on Clubhouse. And overall, like improvisational theater to me was uh, like a definite, um, definite uh, source of uh, energy, optimism, uh, uh, and uh, all the good things uh, last year. Uh, and I'm kind of like trying to, <laughs> and it, it's funny, I, I was not planning to talk about that, uh, because I'm definitely trying to be like an ambassador of uh, improv games and uh, just having this, uh, having, ha- having this fun. But yeah, I also continue. I have to say we, we continue every Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody can can join yeah. at ten a.m. California time. Yes, I plan yeah. to join you soon. Join. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because I think that this is also a way, the whole day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely a way to work around grief. Like we were the last time that we were that we were playing we were interviewing like so we were uh improvising on the topic of how to improve the life of worms and we were interviewing um those who are kind of like connected to worms the tree uh the under uh, underground water and the dead body and when we are like interviewing the dead body around the like how to improve the life of worms and like overall like understanding this global context I think it's kind of like actually gives some ease to the fact that uh, the world has been through a lot of like suffering and uh, and so on. But it kind of like makes it more, uh, turns it into the space of magical realism. And yeah, and there is a game and there is definitely, a, there is a play there. And there is definitely this a part, I think, of this uh, pleasure activism. <laughs> so yeah, when we were writing about this trend, I think we were writing a lot about like sexual liberation and uh, being open about sexual choices and destigmatization uh, of uh, sexual uh, different sexual practices. All the all the sex experts that are writing very openly uh, about different practices and also things like, for example, platforms which were like very I would I would say marginalized, like only fans that uh, things like yeah, this are yeah. becoming more and more uh, more and more normal, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And uh, people are writing about uh, their sexual experiences also, like in this ex- expo, uh, like we're talking about that in, in this um, uh, uh, TikTok, for example, for example, trends. So it's uh, becoming more and more a part of um, just life as it should be. <laughs> yeah. So this is... Uh, and I think uh, lockdown really showed us uh, how important those pleasurable moments in life are, how, how important they are. And not only sexual, it's not only, um, we don't on, only concentrate on the topic of uh, sexual life. It's also like this notion of consciously bringing pleasure into life in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, and I guess uh, that it's just uh, sexuality and uh, sexual liberation is just a very clear, very clear expression of that. Yeah, I would I, I, I would say that. Also, it was interesting to see like uh, 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 there was uh, this uh, research by um, uh, Kinsey Institute saying that uh, people uh, have been having 
um, less sex during during COVID during the pandemic. But at the same time, there was a group that started experimenting more and trying try try more things. So and it's also it's also interesting. It's interesting how like different different uh, apps uh, have also been trying to experiment with that. Like uh, there was this. Uh, uh in 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 field app there was this uh, foreplay extension or something like that so yeah so obviously uh people have been building i think and are building more pleasure into into lives and also i think for many people it's becoming uh more difficult to do something which is not <laughs> kind of like pleasure pleasure based just because i think of the overall level of stress anxiety mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. to question lots of activities that do not bring joy into their lives they start to that's what i see in my work as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. yeah yeah wonderful okay um let's talk about the fourth trend this is kind of uh what are spectral you talk about spectral structures and i guess i'm wondering what are spectral structures yeah. Yeah, so these are all the new types of relationships. So this is a uh, 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 this is about this uh, fact that uh, before, often people who were um, even, for example, in LGBT community, uh, they were still trying to kind of like couple. Uh, so there was this idea that people should live, should live in couples, and uh, now more and more people are uh, are choosing different uh, different formats of relationships. Of course, this has been uh, like um, uh, pop popularized by polyamorous community, but also this moves also beyond this um, kind of like I don't know sexual slash romantic choices but also introducing new forms of relationships. Like we were talking to uh, Casey Turner, who's uh, doing this um, blog uh, called uh, Queer Sex Therapy. <laughs> and, uh, she, uh, and she was talking, uh, she, she, she was using this term romantic friendships. And Elena and I identified a lot with that. We see a lot of this like mixed new formats going on when it's unclear what sort of a relationship that is and it is very difficult for people because they kind of like have to choose whether this is romance or this is friendship and now it seems that people don't necessarily have to choose like uh i, I had a relationship throughout the uh this uh, uh the, the pandemic which we which we described as remote roommates and i think like this is really cool this is something that uh, we came up with it describes it pretty well it doesn't require to go into some of the categories that we are used to. And at the same time, it kind of like, uh, it stresses closeness and uh, it stresses uh, remoteness. <laughs> so I think it's a good description. And I think, or like she also mentioned this term, erotic team. So <laughs> this is also interesting. And I think um, it's interesting how more and more New language appears appears around different 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 uh, different types of relationships, and I think it just gives more and more freedom to live. Well, like the self-partnered uh, story, mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, th this this has also been really prominent and uh, visible. Uh, so it was kind of like uh, uh, something that Emma Watson. Um, talked about in 2019 and then throughout this year many of us uh, uh, have been many opportunities to become self-partnered even, even if it was like 
not necessarily our choice. And at the same time, uh, I think it's just uh, a really interesting interesting concept which gives a lot of freedom to people when I, when I, when we talk to them about it. Uh, and uh, I'm also thinking that you definitely can be self-partnered when you are in re- in a relationships uh, uh, as well. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. You are. You are anyway in a relationship so with with yourself, and also if you have like many identities. Like one of my one of the people who I've been talking to told me I'm in a good company. Talking about like all the identities um, uh, uh, that exist within uh, within them, yeah, <laughs> right or herself, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And this idea of spectrum really allows us to hold the complexity not mm-hmm. to uh, necessarily uh, question ourselves at any given point what am i doing am i doing the um am i going towards the romantic relationship or shall i stay within the friendship uh, framework it really allows people to be more creative be more inventive and uh, listen to their impulses, listen to their values and uh, and create some new trajectories within this uh, spectrum, which is amazing. I think it's it's um, it's it gives a lot of freedom, a lot of agency again. Otherwise, we feel lost. Um, do I need to cross this boundary? It's boundaries mm-hmm. <laughs> where we normally find ourselves. But spectrum allows us this fluidity. Allows. Yeah, and I, and I like that idea that that uh, leaning into complexity, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. You also discovered this, uh, and this makes a lot of sense to me. But you also discovered the the call for meaningful connections in this time. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah. Uh, I, when when I think about like the most uh, vivid illustration of that in uh, culture, actually uh, in uh, mass culture. I, I would uh, name uh, this new two Euphoria uh, TV series episodes because to me, like the difference that was between the first season and uh, these two, these two episodes, is pretty dramatic, I would say, because both of them uh, um, are made of uh, two like really meaningful, deep conversations. One uh, within the framework of a twelve-step program, and the second within uh, the psychotherapy context. And to me, uh, uh, this is a very like. And I know many people who were kind of disappointed with it <laughs> because they expected to see more glitter and partying and stuff like this and uh, sexual interactions. But I think uh, these two they have been like really more about what is coming up and uh, about actual. Uh, need and uh, urge for uh, meaningful uh, connection. And I think also when we were writing that, uh, this is also about uh, sharing feelings, sharing thoughts, but maybe in a more intimate, I would say, settings. And we have also been discussing the fact that it's kind of becoming also uh, accessible and acceptable, uh, not just for the genders, uh, genders who have been previously more kind of like into in, into that, I would say. So, um, yeah, um, I was um, uh, also, I think, relating uh, while, while, while writing about that to the book uh, by Peggy Orenstein, which was called Boys and Sex. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And to me, like overall, it's an interesting phenomena. And I think it was also it was also raised in uh, Glennon Doyle's Untamed, uh, the topic that um, uh, society, like uh, specifically American society, started to be looking at boys as well, like at how men are raised. Uh, this is interesting because, uh, uh, yeah, so uh, Glennon Doyle was writing like that she was surprised at some point to realize that she's she's uh, she's raising a son and she hasn't been telling him you can be a poet or you can be like whoever you want, you can be tender, you can cry and so on, though she was uh, putting a lot of energy into empowering her girls. Uh, and making sure that they are uh, empowered and being whoever they want to be and being strong and uh, doing whatever they want to pursue. But at the same time, uh, uh, these types of messages uh, were not given to men. And uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, very similar things are uh, stated at the book, uh, at this book, Boys and Sex, because uh, Peggy was writing there that uh, she, uh, during her research and before she had been also uh, working just with uh, exploring uh, exploring uh, women, exploring girls and their sexuality, and that she discovered that uh, American men, young men, uh, aged 16 to 20, uh, are, um, uh, though they are into all these new ideas about uh, being more fluid, uh, making sure that, um, like, perceive, uh, see, seeing women as uh, equally capable and stuff like this. <laughs> uh, and uh, at the same time, they are still influenced by all these uh, ideas uh, about what an ideal man should be, like being athletic, not really, like, talking too much, uh, not being strong, uh, being reserved. Uh, which are coming right from the fifties, and it's just interesting to see how this um, how these uh, things are starting to be seen. Uh, and this is also about meaningful connection now, kind of like being available, not just to I don't know uh, some specific uh, some specific groups. So uh, this, to me, was an interesting uh, topic that that came out as well. Uh, we probably have a lot to, more to say about that. <laughs> yeah, <sure>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like connection where you can express yourself in a, in an authentic way. People are looking for this authenticity. And this is a great, I think, the great um, trend that we are uh, obviously everywhere in our lives, in our professional lives, we notice that. And people are trying to find the ways. It's not actually easy. It's not easy. What is it like? How do I express my authenticity? Do I feed into these cultural norms or politeness or anything like that? It's, 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 it's a, I think it's a topic of individual research for every person to make at the moment. And it's, it's incredibly interesting. Yeah. And you do say in, in the, the work that there are still, there's still deconstruction that needs to happen about some of these things that are getting in the way that it isn't easy, that there are some things that are getting in the way. People are calling for a meaningful connection, but there are still these things like gender discourses or patriarchal practices or whatever, however you want to language them that, that do get in the way of, um, the meaningful connection yeah right so okay so you also just talk about and this makes a lot of sense to me as well you also take talk about 
tech-enabled and distanced intimacy. Obviously, this last year, the whole world's changed in how we're using tech and how we're connecting through tech and all of that stuff. Can you say a little bit more about that? Mm, yeah, sure. So, yeah, there are, like, obvious things that we have been mostly connected through, <laughs> through technology. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we have been using Zoom. We have been hating Zoom like loving Zoom and stuff like this, uh, a lot of uh, uh, Zooming happening. Or well, like uh, right now people are into Clubhouse and uh, people are Clubhouse. And uh, right. yes, this is uh, another thing that is happening. But also I think there is an overall um, understanding that um, to some extent it won't end. So it is unlikely that we will go completely back to some sort of normal as it used to be because this uh, year has already been has already accelerated many of the things that were just uh, in prospect so yeah because i remember like i don't know two years ago like using zoom was still pretty I wouldn't say that everybody was 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 doing that during this year everybody started doing that and also uh, uh, i think people are looking for more for, for all kinds of formats to do that. And I think that um, uh, technology is kind of like trying to trying to, to, to speed up, to adapt to, to that. Like there was this um, wearable love jacket being developed by H&M brand, which is about like uh, experiencing touch uh, from, yeah, um, of your loved one when you are remote. And I think there are things which are more like trying to, uh, which are trying to add to the experience, uh, that is limited now by audio and video. And of course, um, there, there are still many improvements to be done to the quality of this audio and video, mm -hmm. but I think the overall tendency is to add more sensations into it to make it more, uh, to make it more real uh, to, to some extent. And to me, like personally and professionally, this is uh, an interesting topic to explore because uh, what I want to create, uh, I'm doing a lot of educational work and I've been doing this like exploration courses, which have never actually been like courses where I'm teaching something, but more places and spaces for people to connect and explore themselves and each other and uh, the topics that are of their interest. But at the same time, I'm thinking how to actually make these uh, experiences more embodied, more uh, how to make them richer, how to make them more interesting, how to turn them into immersive uh, spaces rather than courses. Um, and this is also about tech-enabled intimacy. Like uh, I see this as a like personal professional challenge at the moment. This is what 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 excites me uh, like personally a lot. <laughs> yeah, Elena, how, how has your transition been to tech, and, and what are your thoughts about you know as a therapist? And, Mine. Yeah, yeah. I'm working with Russia, uh, so okay. I've been doing that. For many years before I actually the the pandemic started, I was already doing remote work Got it. But okay. at the very beginning. Uh, at the very beginning, I thought it was not possible. It was not. I had really fears that I would not be able to be a good and efficient therapist remotely. But I think maybe 
it took me several months to get adjusted. And I found out that um, the, some skills grew. Some different skills grew, and it's it's a source of optimism, actually, mm, okay. <laughs> to me, ongoing source of optimism, because I thought it would not be possible, but then in the end, some skills grew, and it had become it has become possible mm. to be um, feeling that I am I'm doing a good job still, mm. and we can uh, fully connect, and we can experience all uh, kinds of. Um, uh, possibilities that this therapeutic process uh, gives us in uh, when we are offline. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I would say, uh, uh, with regards to technology and intimacy, I hear controversial opinions. I hear um, some sort of anxiety that some people uh, express or have. Um, concerning the development of this uh, equipment um, because they think that it will or it is meant to replace the actual connection. But if we don't look at it this way, it's just an enhancement of the reality. It's, it's not, if, if we do not um, aim to replace the actual connection, the um, offline connection with it, it's just fascinating a world that is um, like a fantasy world <laughs> that we can use, like Masha said, to enhance actually some experiences uh, that we have. But um, if we look at it like a black and white thing, yes, it, it can produce some kind of uh, anxiety. And another threat to, uh, to offline life. <laughs> right. And there's going to be more about that. Um, but your seventh and final um, kind of trend that you discovered was what you call systemic unity. And this is, as I understand it, this event, let's call it COVID, has um, woken people up or started, they've started to see, realize their place in the larger social cultural picture and and that means maybe more activism, or it means uh, maybe more thinking about their role in a larger world. And I guess I'm wondering, what what did you find there? Yeah, but I think we also know, know a lot about that, <laughs> like uh, considering, for example, the election um, and uh, everything that was going on, uh, Black Lives Matter and uh, uh, all the topics that were pretty much heard in, in, the, in, in the States and throughout the world throughout this last year. Uh, and uh, I think this is about, um, on the one hand, understanding that uh, every, everyone can make impact, and at the same time, uh, understanding that uh, it's kind of easy to connect in, in the effort to make this impact. And, of course, um, in some places, I think it has been more like, successful and brought to um, uh, brought to the results that were uh, hoped for <laughs> uh, uh, to some extent like it was uh, in the states uh, in other places like in Belarus or Russia uh, it uh, has been different mm -hmm. uh, but still I think people are more and more realizing that uh, everyone kind of like can have a voice, uh, can make impact, uh, can influence, uh, can add to this uh, larger body 
like collective body of voices and uh, uh, become heard actually and uh, that using this energy uh, can can lead to meaningful results i would say yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, this is what what it is about and yeah and uh, of course like it was on it was about like all the platforms definitely like uh, yeah. instagram Clubhouse and uh, yeah, Facebook and everything that ha- we have seen, witnessed through throughout this year. And I think, like specifically in the states, and I think there was a lot of optimism in uh, in it and inspiration, also for for other countries. I would say so. Like <laughs> people have been watching that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, like how you how you how you experience it from from uh, within. They have like yeah <laughs> yeah i think uh well i think uh you know i i just did a thing on conspiracy theories i think there is a sh- kind of a shadow to it all too the this this um this ability to reach across and connect to larger audiences and what have you so you know in in our uh, at least in the states, you know, it's. I think there's been a very bad problem of misinformation, especially around uh, vaccines, and you know that yeah. uh, that are actually deadly. You know that are quite deadly, and then of course around you know the radicalization of like white people, and um, you know. Yeah. So there's been some, yeah, as well as you know, you see these large the platforms providing larger voices, but there's still it's still kind of messy and I'm, I'm interested to see how it shakes out but i think you're starting to see there are some pressure on some of the tech companies to kind of reel in the misinformation and um, the stuff that's been pretty prevalent out there uh, yeah so we'll see what happens yeah you know i think there is always a uh, first first of all any trend can have like can lead to a spectrum of influences so it's not uh, like I think Elena and I are like really trying to be optimistic <laughs> yeah, right. and, yeah. uh, and focus on them like as uh, we are. I don't know. Uh, maybe this is uh, this is also the track that we are kind of um, uh, pursuing in narrative therapy, <laughs> being uh, radically optimistic. <laughs> yeah. No, I. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'll call this podcast, Radical Optimism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but definitely, uh, any like uh, we we have been even like writing in the in the in the report a little bit about that. For example, about tech enabled um, intimacy. Uh, of course, if we like, um, for, I think there was this uh, there was this app which is aimed to create um, your meaningful others. Like you can create a, a virtual um, I don't know partner or like a family and uh, and anyone. But at the same time. It can definitely lead to some circumstances because we think that, okay, now we'll create this uh, perfect partner (laughs) and this partner will like finally act the way we want them to act. (laughs) But it's not like what what will be going on. So, yeah. So I think, uh, and especially considering that this like 
perfect family members are created like still by 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 yeah of course artificial intelligence which is still kind of like influenced largely by us so i don't think there will be a lot of <laughs> a lot of ideal stuff going on and i won't say that it will be easier to navigate this uh, world of relationships with others who are not humans uh yeah. so yeah so this is uh definitely something something to consider and there is always first uh the the effects of any uh trend can be can be uh, diverse but also uh there is also always a counter trend to any trend so so this is another level of complexity yeah. so like as elena was saying like yeah techno enabled intimacy but at the same time people really want to have more uh more like real intimacy and this might lead to like different uh, also uh, things yeah. Uh, yeah 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 for example like uh i was reading this uh articles about uh <laughs> i keep talking about that i don't know why about the uh the spread of uh, sexually transmitted uh, infections because people haven't been really tested and there was a group of people who was experimenting a lot and at the same time there were no like testing facilities and people who were working as uh, uh in this area started to, to work in uh, in the area of covid uh, and then people were not getting testing were not getting treatment and this can be like one one of the effects so yeah it can lead to many different uh, consequences uh yeah so yeah that's that's true okay so uh thank you for that now how might people access your work and will you be doing any presentations or workshops or gatherings in the future how, how do they get connect, connected to this yeah so we are launching our uh, we are launching now like little website which is called reconnect today actually today okay. <laughs> hey, <yay. laughs> yeah. yeah so we will have we will have information there uh we we are planning to do uh programs for companies for uh for, for we are already doing programs for companies for individuals we are planning to continue doing this um uh, research and do more reports uh I think also another way to follow that is through our personal Instagrams, uh, my Instagram and uh, Elena's Instagram, because we post most of the things that we do there. Yeah, and I will, listeners, I will link the website and both their Instagrams on the show notes, so you'll be able to find them there, okay? Yeah, yeah thank you, thank you. And we are interviewing people from different backgrounds. Uh, um, on uh, We are doing these interviews on Clubhouse. We thought that it's kind of like cool to do it there uh, because it becomes more more personal on the one hand. On the other hand, it can be accessible by people. Yeah, yeah, very casual. So we are inviting uh, people from different backgrounds to talk about the strands and how they see them and what uh, effects they see and how they interpret different different signs, like what you were talking uh, about, uh, these uh, conspiracy theories and, and stuff like this. This is like really interesting. Uh, it, it is really interesting to look at it through this perspective as well. And uh, I think people from different continents and people from different countries and just different backgrounds will provide more perspectives. And this is what we are interested in, not to keep it like really, I don't know, one, <laughs> not, 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 yeah, one-sided. Uh, yeah, we would like to keep it fluid. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Okay, final question for both of you. Um, 
uh, before I let you go, I like asking this question of everybody. So what new work or uh, books or ideas or art or whatever, what is capturing your attention now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think you are so much into music. <laughs> <laughs> she shares the new things to me always. And we are also... Masha started to write poetry this year. Mm. Uh, yes, and create. We create together. We create with the help of um, um, musicians. We create songs. <laughs> so we are, mm. no, we are just producing, <laughs> producing pieces of art which we didn't. We hadn't. We didn't do that. Never mm. ever. This is an impact of this unusual times. I think. Uh, yeah, I saw that you posted. You have a new song coming soon. <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> and they'll be able to find that on your Instagram? Right, yes. Okay. Yeah, 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 and these songs are actually also kind of like born of our observations around relationships. So this is also connected to, to reconnect the project that we are doing. Uh, and overall, I think, yeah, uh, uh, we have been connecting more with creativity, I would say, because we are playing improv games every Wednesday on Clubhouse. Yeah, we are writing songs, and I'm thinking about how to write better, actually, poetry, because I want to write more complex, <laughs> complex poetry. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, so these are, this are the things that I think uh, capture our attention most. Uh, That's great, yeah. And, yeah, and this is, I think, very different to what to what it used to be. I think that there's just much more common through creativity. I'm also exploring, like, performing arts and um, dance, Mm -hmm. So I started to do this authentic movement and uh, contemporary, and uh, I also want to take Gaga lessons. So it's just also about, I think more things are becoming available, not actually like through through just thinking and talking, though this is very important, like it's mm -hmm. a huge part of life, but through creativity, through the body, uh, and maybe it's also related to this, uh, this stress that have, we have been through. Right. Yeah. Is, the, is the answer definitely it's a good answer to yeah. the no, I, I, yeah i love that yeah i think that's great okay i want to thank you both for coming on the show thank you very much um this is uh i love the ideas that you're bringing forward here and how it's having us think about uh, how our relationships are going to look in the future and um i look forward to sharing this with our listeners thank you Thank you. Thank, Thank you so very much. much. Thank you for the questions and for the atmosphere. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. That's our show. And as always, thanks for listening. Um, if you want to reach out to Masha and Elena, uh, just go to the show notes and there'll be links there. Uh, f so you can kind of reach out to them. Uh, also, uh, find us on the social medias as always, and go find us on Instagram, the radical therapist on Instagram, the rat therapist on Twitter, uh, the radical therapist on Facebook would be nice to engage with you in that way. And please, uh, if you could rate and review the show on iTunes and share this episode with folks that you think would, uh, find it helpful and as always, I'm Dr. Chris Hoff, and thanks for listening to the Radical Therapist Podcast.